Silhouettes, a fashion history podcast all about the importance of the clothes we wear. I'm coming back at you today with a new short history, micro history episode. Um, I know you guys love these and they're probably my highest listened episodes to date, so I'm going to keep them coming for you. <laughs> I apologise for the long absence. I had COVID. <laughs> Yay! Which has just meant I've been quite out of action for a little while and it just meant that researching, writing and recording these episodes was just not possible. <laughs> But anyway, back to it. In this episode, I want to talk about the short history of tattoos and tattooing as a whole. As we know, and according to Aaron Dieter Wolf, who is quite a big um, writer on the history of tattooing, tattooing as a form of body decoration has been practiced by cultures around the globe and throughout human history, basically. But this is a topic that is an interesting one in terms of fashion. Historically, tattoos are very culturally centred, but in more recent years, in the West particularly, they've become something more associated with fashion rather than spirituality or culturally, I would say. I mean, I may be completely wrong in that, but that's just my interpretation. But this really got me thinking, how far back does the history of tattooing actually go? As I said, in the West particularly, we see it as quite a modern invention and a modern sentimentality, but that's really very, very far from the truth. A little while ago, I was speaking to my parents about um, tattooing and tattoo availability when they were in their 20s in the 80s and 90s and how difficult it actually was to access and also how much of a statement it was viewed as, particularly in the 80s. But why is this? As I found out, and as you'll learn in this episode, the history of tattooing goes back as far as I think is possibly able from the Paleolithic times even. We also have images that circulate the internet of women from Victorian times in the West who are fully tattooed up from head to toe. And going further back, we have African, Maori, Neolithic cultural tattooing. Tattooing has, in fact, been practiced widely around the world for cultural, spiritual and religious reasons in Taiwan, Africa, China, America, by various different tribes all around the world, in the Philippines, in Polynesia. It is and always has been so widespread in communities and tribes around the world in the past. And its practices are so embedded in so many cultures. Honestly, as I learned when I was researching this, there's really too much, too many, far too ancient and far too detailed to go into much in the short episode but it's there it's beautiful and culturally marvelous and goes back absolutely centuries to you know some of the very very first peoples so then this begs the question why and when did tattoos become seen as a fashionable alternative statements in the west in the present day and maybe you know for the last sort of 40 50 years if around the world they've always been such a huge part of either culture tradition or spirituality elsewhere in the world as this is a short history episode as the other episodes in this series it will be a brief foray into the history of tattoos but i hope to go into enough detail that we really get a strong image of the social cultural spiritual and fashion importance of this huge part of our world's history so yes as always this is what it says on the tin it's a short history starting from sort of origins and moving all the way through to the present day or as near as possible as i can get to make it relevant so of course this will not be super super intricately detailed but i really hope you learn a little bit from it and maybe find out something that you didn't know before Now, let's start from the beginning. Tattooing has likely been around since Neolithic times. There have been mummified bodies found with some form of tattoos on the skin from around the fourth millennium, a very, 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 very long time ago. <laughs> 
There is also evidence to suggest that tattooing has been in practice in a more primitive form since the Paleolithic era. The mummified body of a man named Utzi the Iceman, who I've mentioned here before, he's basically a very important piece of history. (laughs) He was found in 1991 and is probably the very first instance of ancient tattooing knowledge that we have. The ice had basically preserved his body and he had a total of 61 tattoos that we know of. These are mostly black lines running along the axis of his body as well as marks on the knees, ankles and the chest area. Apparently these were made from ash and soot rubbed into small punctures in the skin. However, as I found out, these tattoos may not have been cultural, religious or purely artistic in nature as we may first think, but were made likely for pain relief due to the generations and wear of the areas in his body in which they were made. Perhaps it was an early form of acupuncture. Interestingly, as I also found out, if this is the case, this is over 2,000 years before it is known to be used as a medicine in China, which is thought to be its main cultural origin. However, according to Dieter Wolf I mentioned earlier, the exact antiquity and archaeological footprint of tattooing still remains quite poorly understood, despite the finding of Otzi, and it was only recently evidence has been properly evaluated. So information of ancient practices of tattooing is limited, so who knows what they were practicing in China way before Otzi was even found and his sort of origins. So it's really quite muddy waters. But generally, he is thought to be the first instance of basic tattooing practices. I also found an article from the Smithsonian, which is from 2019, which talks about how tattoos were discovered on Egyptian female mummies' bodies. And these tattoos are basically found through the use of infrared technology, which is so cool. (laughs) And these tattoos included designs of crosses, baboons and hieroglyphics. These were apparently the bodies of likely craft workers who helped decorate the tombs that were found in the valleys of the kings and queens. It seems the Egyptians were big fans of tattooing and there are many instances of Egyptian mummies having some form of skin marking, both abstract and pictorial, household gods being a very popular one. But this is one of the most famous finds in terms of spearheading research in the history of tattooing. There have also been mummified bodies found from all around the world, including Siberia, China and the Philippines. According to Nicholas Faulkner, there were also heavily tattooed bodies found in Russia from a tribe of people and one body was covered in elaborate animal tattoos of donkeys, fish and deer, as well as mythical creatures, a griffin being one of them. And these creatures were apparently thought, we think, to strengthen the person who had them. This was most likely the chief and the tattoos were used to show his social standing. This chief also had similar tattoos to our Iceman and so these tattoos are thought to have a medicinal use as well, unlike the mythical creatures which were used for strength and beauty rather than physical wellness, if that makes sense. There is also evidence of tattoos from a tribe called the Picts who lived in what we know as Scotland. These people were known by the Romans as the Painted Ones and they also had a variety of animals tattooed on their skin. These seem to be some of the earliest known found bodies of tattooed individuals, both men and women, interestingly. And the tattoos all are there for various different reasons. Of course, there are only the bodies we know of. Who knows how long it had been going on as a practice before these dates. So essentially, the history of super, super ancient tattooing practices has basically only been found through archaeological finds in terms of finding the mummified bodies and deducing the use practices and cultures around the bodies. It seems little else Um, evidence is the early history of tattooing and so I feel like there would be a great deal of educated reason speculation going on because in these ancient ancient cultures things were not 
written down in quite the same way as they are now. Different cultures have different forms of writing and telling histories. And so it's quite difficult to work out when and how and what and things like that. And archaeology is basically one of the main reasons and ways in which these things are found out. So essentially, this is probably when it all started around the world. And there is evidence to suggest that it is from various, various different cultures from this really ancient Paleolithic times. But we're not sure. Well, not me because I'm not an archaeologist, but archaeologists that found this stuff out are not sure, <laughs> but probably. Now, I think I've um, given you a little bit of information on the kind of very, very early practices and uses of tattooing. Now I kind of want to go a little bit more around the world and kind of give you an introduction to the different cultures around the world that are known to use and practice tattooing and, and have it as a really big part of their history and their culture. I'll start with North America because the indigenous people of North America have a very long, detailed history when it comes to tattooing and body modding. Much like the really ancient history of tattoos, we know this through mummified bodies but there is also a widely recorded written and oral knowledge of the importance of tattooing in um, Native American history. This is where it differs and leads us nicely into the more known practices of tattooing in the west and around the world. Tattooing was not a simple marking on the skin. It was a process that highlighted cultural connections to indigenous ways of thinking of and knowing and viewing the world. And it also signified connections to society, place, family, things like that. Tattoos were also done for medical reasons, as we saw earlier, for example, heart disease or consumption. And we see this around the world too. I also found out there is also a very strong ancestral linkage of tattoos um, for the North American indigenous people, connecting them with their genealogy for protection and otherwise. I mean, obviously, I'm not part of this culture, so I don't want to be making any mistakes. But just from my research, these are the things that I found out. And I love the idea of that. I think it's really quite beautiful. The oldest known physical evidence of tattooing in North America was made through the discovery of a frozen mummified female in St. Lawrence, Alaska, who had tattoos on her skin. Early explorers to North America made many ethnographic observations about the indigenous people as well, the people that they met. Initially, they did not have a word for tattooing and instead described the modifications on the skin as prick, list, mark and raise to stamp, paint, burn and embroider. So as it happens, information about indigenous body marking comes, unfortunately so, from the engravings, writing and drawings of white explorers who documented what they found. Now, the ethics of this are obviously a little <laughs> sketchy and so it is a morally odd thing. But nonetheless, that's where the physical information about these practices can be found. And that is where I did get a lot of information from because that's where it is, unfortunately so. Now, moving into the East, in Japan, tattooing for spiritual and decorative purposes is thought to extend back to at least the Paleolithic period and was widespread during various periods for both the Yamato and native Jomon groups. Chinese texts from before 300 AD describe social differences between Japanese people as being indicated through tattooing and other bodily markings. Um, Chinese texts from the time also describe Japanese men of all ages as decorating their faces and bodies with tattoos. It's interesting that a lot of this information is found from Chinese texts. Between 1608 and 1868, Japanese tattooing was only practiced by the ukiyo floating world subculture. Generally, firemen, manual workers and prostitutes wore tattoos to communicate their status. 
Palace. By the early 17th century, criminals were widely being tattooed as a visible mark of punishment. Criminals were marked with symbols typically including crosses, lines, double lines and circles on certain parts of the body, mostly the face and arms. These symbols sometimes designated the places where the crimes were committed. Meiji government formed in 1868 also banned the art of tattooing altogether, viewing it as barbaric and lacking respectability. This subsequently created a subculture of criminals and outcasts. These people had no place in decent society and were frowned upon. They could not simply integrate into mainstream society because of their obvious visible tattoos, forcing many of them into criminal activities which ultimately formed the roots for the modern Japanese mafia, the Yakuza, with which tattoos have become almost synonymous in Japan, which is quite interesting. I found all that online. Again, I hope it's correct. Um, this <laughs> is not something I have uh, general knowledge about myself, much unlike, you know, a fair bit. The other things I talk about in this podcast, I sort of already know a little bit so I can work on my current knowledge, but this is completely new to me. So do let me know if I uh, <laughs> have made any mistakes or completely misinterpreted something. Tattooing is also was widely practiced in the Philippines, but tattooing and body modification tracks back hundreds of years and is embedded part of practice in the East, particularly in the Philippines. Tattooing or buttock on both sexes was practiced by almost all of the Philippine islands during the pre-colonial era. Ancient clay human figurines found in archaeological sites in the Batanes Islas I hope I'm getting that right, around um, 2,500 to 3,000 years old, have simplified stamped circle patterns which clearly represent tattoos, but may also indicate burns, as this was also a common practice. I found that on Wikipedia. <laughs> also apparently found at an excavation site at the Arku Cave burial site in northern Luzon were chisels and serrated type heads of bone tattoo instruments. These were found um, alongside like spindles and bark cloth beaters, as well as jade ornaments, which sort of signifies that they were a big part of the culture, most likely. These were, I think, dated to before um, 1500 BCE and remarkably similar to the comb-type tattoo chisels found throughout Polynesia. In terms of the East, there is also um, quite a lot of information similar to in North America that comes from um, Spanish um, explorers and colonization. And so this is kind of a written form in which you can find information on the practices. For example, a man from the Magellan expedition in 1521 called Antonio Pigafetta first encountered um, the Visayasans, who are a Philippine tribe, ancient Philippine tribe, um, and he repeatedly described them as painted all over. The original Spanish name for the Visayans, Los Pintados, the painted ones, was a reference to their tattoos. Also in 1663, a man called Francisco Colin from the Labo Evangelica spoke about this tribe. And as he said, besides exterior clothing and dress, some of these nations wore another inside dress, which could not be removed after it was once put on. These are the tattoos of the body so greatly practiced among Visayans, whom we call Pintados for that reason. For it was custom among them and was a mark of nobility and bravery to tattoo the whole body from top to toe when they were of an age and strength sufficient to endure the tortures of the tattooing, which was done after being carefully designed by the artists and in accordance with the proportion of the parts of the body in the sex, with the instruments like brushes or small twigs with very fine points of bamboo. The body was pricked and marked with them until blood was drawn. Upon that, black powder 
or soot made from pitch, which never faded, was put on. The whole body was not tattooed at one time, but it was done gradually. In olden times, no tattooing was begun until some brave deed had been performed. And after that, for each one of the parts of the body which was tattooed, some new deed had to be performed. The men tattooed even their chins and about the eyes so that they appeared to be masked. Children were not tattooed and the women only one hand and part of the other. Ilocanos in this island of Manila also tattooed themselves, but not to the same extent as the Visayans. There are a multitude of accounts like this from Europe and the West um, about these indigenous tribes and their um, general practices. And tattooing is something that is written about quite a lot. But essentially in Philippines specifically and other parts of that part of the world, tattoos were symbols of tribal identity and kinship, as well as bravery, beauty and social or wealth status. They had magical abilities and could document personal history and ancestry and things like that. And the way that these tattoos um, were often designed and the kind of style of them, who they were designed before, how they looked, wasn't just for spirituality and religion and things like that, but they also designated your ethnic group, your affiliation with different people, your status, your gender. And they ranged from sort of small, delicate tattoos on the hands or the cheeks or the chin to almost completely covering the body. Tattoos on the face meant to invoke frightening things among the elite warriors of the Visayans, for example. But like I said, sometimes they were restricted only to certain areas of the body, like something called a monobo tattoo, which were only done on the forearms, lower abdomen, back, breasts and ankles. In terms of how these tattooed actually um, looked, they were often repeating designs and sometimes geometric designs. So think zigzags, repeating patterns, lines, things like that. And stylized representations also had snakes, lizards, dogs, frogs and plant life like flowers and ferns and grass and more natural things. But you also got stars and sun patterns, humans and each motif had its own name and usually a story or a significance behind it though most of these have unfortunately been lost to time because obviously photography didn't exist and these bodies are no longer able to be found and so a lot of it is speculation and based on oral history and like i said based on um, the documented histories from uh travelers and things like that and these tattoos were in the philippines specifically from this tribe very much shown off and a lot of people would only wear a loincloth to show them off basically <laughs> tattoos were gradually acquired over the years and patterns could take months to complete and heal the tattooing process was a sacred event that involved rituals to spirits and the heeding of omens for example if the artist or the recipient sneezed before a tattoo it was seen as a sign of disapproval by the spirits and the session was called off or rescheduled <laughs> artists were also paid with livestock bees and precious metals and things like that. They were also housed and fed by the family of the recipient during the process and a celebration was usually held after a completed tattoo. So basically there was a whole complete culture around tattoos and tattooing and it connected... Um, people to their past, to the land they lived in, not too dissimilar to um, the Native American way of tattooing. And I really just love that. I think the process of it just sounds incredible, especially to our modern Western sensibility. It's such a different process of getting tattooed. And obviously now it still has attachment to some people and people will get tattooed with something of significance to them. But that sort of process is definitely minimized, I think, compared to how it sounds like it was done by ancient tribes in this part of the world and I just really like the sound of it, it sounds really cool. <laughs> in Mali, a country in West Africa, the Fulani women mark their skin with tattoos and it's considered to be a form of lasting beauty for the Fulani 
and the tradition of tattooing lips, known as tujoti, which I probably butchered, is a common practice among women in the community. As young girls, the Filani begin colouring their mouths with small lines using a hot needle, so by the time they reach adulthood, their lips are completely black. This distinctive tattoo is designed to highlight the beauty of the Filani's teeth and bright smile, and is a symbol of the courage and strength of the women in this culture. This information I found in an amazing, unlike illustrated anthology called The Culture of Clothes, which I highly recommend. Also from this same book, I found out that in New Zealand, the Maori warriors create curving lines of dark tattoos on their body called moko, and they follow the lines of their faces to make their fierce expressions look even more dramatic. Each Maori face tattoo is personal to the performer and tells the story of his family and culture. There is also evidence to suggest that um, tattooing practices were done all over this part of the world in Malaysia and Indonesia, in New Zealand with the Samoas and basically all over. But like I said before, it's so, so much to get into in this episode. And so I don't really (laughs) want to go into it too much, but basically know that all over, it's just a huge part of history, as well as in the Americas, you know, the Inuit people, for example, um, in the Canadian Arctic in the ancient times had a huge process of tattooing as part of their culture, often on the face, on the chin and things like that, um, in Central America even, and also in places like Taiwan and the Solomon Islands and all over. It's basically been a part of our history of the world for such a long time and holds so much cultural, spiritual, social importance for so many different people, so many different places, so many different cultures. Now I want to move slightly more back into the West with some more early modern history um, because British and other pilgrimages to the Holy Lands in the 17th century wielded its own history of tattooing. Pilgrims to the Holy Lands were tattooed with the Jerusalem cross to commemorate their voyages. In 1691, a man named William Dampier brought to London a Filipino man named Gioli Giolo from the islands of Mindano in the Philippines who had a tattooed body and became known as the Painted Prince. Between 1766 and 1779, Captain James Cook made three voyages to the South Pacific, the last trip ending in his death in Hawaii in 1779. But when his men returned home to Europe from their voyages to Polynesia, they told tales of the tattooed savages they had seen. The word tattoo itself comes from the Tahitian tattoo and was introduced into the English language by Cook's expedition through the word tattoo or taptu, referring to a drumbeat, and it has existed in England since at least 1644. It was in Tahiti abroad the endeavour in July 1769 that Cook first noted his observations about the indigenous body modification and is the first recorded use of the word tattoo to refer to the permanent marking of the skin. In the ship's logbook recorded this entry, both sexes paint their bodies tattoo as it is called in their language. This is done by inlaying the colour of black under their skins in such a manner as to be indelible. Cook went on to write, this method of tattooing I shall now describe as this is a painful operation, especially the tattooing of their buttocks. It is performed but once in their lifetimes. But as I was saying earlier, in the West, in the early modern times, we came across tattooing from these pilgrimages and from um, basically colonization voyages. (laughs) 
and that is sort of one of the first instances of tattooing being talked about and known in the West and in England particularly. And that is when the word tattoo, as I said, was introduced in the English language. And so this is sort of an early example of tattooing coming back to more Western regions and to Europe. A man named Joseph Banks, who was Cook's science officer and expedition botanist, returned to England with a tattoo. Banks was a highly regarded member of the English aristocracy and had acquired his position with Cook by putting up what was, at the time, the princely sum of £10,000 in the expedition. Cook then brought back with him a tattooed man, Omai, who he presented to King George in the English court. Many of Cook's men, ordinarily seamen and sailors, came back with tattoos as well, a tradition that would soon become associated with men of the sea in the public's mind and the the press of the day. This I found online and it's really fascinating because now in the West we associate the history of tattooing quite a lot with sailors and so it's interesting to see that actually that practice was taken from these expeditions and basically appropriated from these Filipino cultures. So it was from this and and with the introduction of sailors, um, tattooing spread back into British society in the 19th century and with that slowly became um, associated also with the criminal class unfortunately. But by By the late 1800s, tattooing had become fashionable among certain members of the upper classes, including royalty. In its upmarket form, it could be a lengthy, expensive and sometimes painful process. Tattooing spread among the upper classes all over Europe in the 19th century, but particularly in Britain, where it was estimated in Harmsworth magazine in 1898 that as many as one in five members of the gentry were tattooed, taking their lead from the British court, where George V followed Edward VII's lead in getting tattooed. They all sported tattoos, many of them elaborate and ornate renditions of the royal coat of arms or the royal family crest. King Alfonso in modern Spain also had a tattoo, and these were copied from these royal practices. As I found online, George V was also apparently um, tattooed following a trip to Japan, which is really interesting. So essentially, we're very quickly, well, not very quickly, but fairly quickly seeing tattooing going from to the Spanish mind, something very associated with these ancient cultures to suddenly being practiced by British and French and Spanish royalty sort of about 200 years later. And as always with these episodes in the West, everything that becomes a fashion statement or something um, practiced by the general public starts with the royalty. Always does. But basically, the popularity of modern Western tattooing owes its origins in large part to Captain Cook's voyages to the South Pacific in um, the 1700s. But as I also found out, since the 1950s, there has been a false belief that our modern tattooing practices in the West originated only from these voyages. But in fact, there is, as we saw at the beginning of this episode, a long history of tattooing that predated these voyages in Europe, including among sailors and tradesmen and other, um, you know, ancient tribes. And as I said, there was pilgrims visiting the Holy Land um, who got tattoos and on Europeans even that lived among the Native Americans that predated these voyages. A tattoo historian called Anna Felicity Friedman talks about this cook myth and she says modern European words for the practice for example tattoo tattooage tattooing derived from the Tahitian word tattoo as I said earlier which was introduced to European languages through these travels however prior European texts show that a variety of metaphorical terms were used for the practice including pricked marked engraved decorated punctured stained and embroidered she also points out that the growing print culture at the time of Cook's voyages may have increased the visibility of tattooing despite its prior existence in the west so with that let's talk modern let's talk the last say 200 years in terms of modern (laughs) way more modern than thousands of years of course and let's start by talking about some ladies some tattooed ladies i found an amazing book from amelia clem osterud 
which is called The Tattooed Lady History. <laughs> and I'll be pulling from that quite a bit here. The historical relationship between women and tattooing, particularly in the West and in more modern times, is quite fascinating. I'm sure we've all seen those kind of viral photos of the Victorian lady or sideshow performer with her full tatted body, neck and all, that posted really to make you go, wow, it's so bizarre to see this, tattoos, ancient tattoos. But it really wasn't an anomaly as we're learning. Or are we just used to seeing tattoos in different types of photographs from different eras and cultural backgrounds? Having it be white Western women from this particular era and quite, you know, an era that's usually quite strict is maybe what gets our backs up and makes us notice them a little bit more. There was, in fact, an entire sideshow group called the Tattooed Ladies who included women like Betty Broadbent, LaBelle Irene and an Annie Howard. These were actually a huge number of performers and sideshow acts in which women made a living from being tattooed. These women graced dime shows, museums and sideshows for years and years. Tattoos were seen as scary, evil and sexy and a taboo and therefore seeing a white woman tattooed to the nines at this time period in this part of the world sold tickets and these women wore short skirts, swimwear, lacy garments and chiffons to show off as much skin as possible and attract audiences. Their stories were often faked not always mind, but to sell tickets to shock or disgust and often played on the American views that were negative towards tribal cultures and Native Americans. Their autobiographies are quite obscure and hard to find as these were often working class women whose lives were seen, I'm sure by many, as less than and not noteworthy of documentation. We have photographs, of course, and these are quite amazing, but their true life histories are tricky. <laughs> I might do a whole episode on these women as it's really a huge cultural moment and it's really fascinating. It really represents a lot about certain time periods, certain ideas, certain ideas on um, being female, on sex, on what is seen as taboo. Um, there's even racism involved here, you know, and yeah, it really just tells us a lot about this small little time period and this context specifically. Often their fate biographies um, told us that these women were, you know, captured by Native American tribes and tattooed against their will. Obviously, a lot of that was not true, but it sold tickets and it shocked people and it unfortunately attracted their racist sentimentalities towards these ethnic groups. But it's just really fascinating that we saw European royalty being tattooed in the sort of 19th century, but then in America, maybe 50 years later, we're seeing tattooed women being used as shocking uh, sideshow performers. It's really fascinating and quite strange when you think about it, especially considering how much of a cultural significance tattoos have and had had since the dawn of time. For some reason, <laughs> it still was seen as shocking. Maybe it's because it was on women. I'm not sure. I also want to move a little bit forward in time talking of women and let you know all about a woman called Cindy Ray. Tattooist and model Cindy Ray was born as Beth Nichols in Australia in 1942 in Melbourne and she's a very famous Australian tattooist. By 19 she was a single mother and she stumbled upon an advertisement in the newspaper for models and she needed a way to support her child so she found herself in contact with Melbourne photographer Harry Bartman who would ultimately create the image of Cindy Ray. Right up until then she was just an average model. She didn't have tattoos, no interesting tattooing until Bartram offered to pay for her to get tattooed. Basically he exploited her and he profited off her image without her permission. He even made tattoo kits, jewellery kits, um, tattooing books in her name that she had very little input in and um, he, Bertram, pocketed most of the proceeds. She didn't actually start tattooing until 1964 when a recent new boyfriend, who was a tattooist, Danny Robinson, 
broke both his hands in a, <laughs> in a fight and took a shift to cover for her him um she then worked out of the shop on a waterfront in williamstowns outside of melbourne but they divorced in the 70s and she went to work with some other men at somewhere called sailor bill's grotto and from then on she became big in the tattoo world she became a tattooist she became a tattoo designer she had these other tattoo machines named after her but in 1981 she teamed back up with danny robinson the guy who broke his hands, <laughs> as his business partner to tattoo together until she eventually moved on to open her own shop, which was called Cindy Ray Moving Pictures Tattoo Studio, where she worked until her retirement. So basically, she navigated this world of tattooing, which was associated greatly with men, and went on to become one of the most famous and influential personalities in the history of tattooing. So much so that in 2005, she was induced into the Tattoo Hall of Fame in San Francisco. And this is all found from an article in ABC Australia by Sasha Kolov, and it's really fascinating and she's an icon basically <laughs> um if you go onto my instagram silhouettes podcast i posted um a picture of her so you can see cindy and how she looked and some of her incredible tattoos that she sported Now, moving on from um, women specifically, I want to talk about how and when tattooing increased in popularity um, in the more modern eras. And basically, this was with the invention of the electric tattoo machine in the 1940s. According to Wikipedia, you know, take it with a pinch of salt, in 1936, one in 10 Americans had a tattoo of some form. In the late 1950s, tattoos were greatly influenced by several artists, in particular a man named Niall Tuttle, Cliff Rabin, Don Nolan, Zeke Owen, Spiderweb, and Ed Hardy, who we all know of. A second generation of artists trained by the first continued these traditions into the 1970s, and these included artists such as Bob Roberts, Jamie Summers, and Cindy Ray, who we know of. We obviously have um, military tattoos to thank for this, as tattooing was a huge practice in ranks in the US and around the um, West, and as always, military origins are rife. <laughs> but that was one of the reasons the tattoo machine was um, really created, and it just allowed it socially to become more popular um, from that. But I'd say since the 1970s or 80s, tattoos gradually became more and more mainstream as part of global and Western fashion, common among both sexes to all economic classes and to age groups from later teen years to middle age, really. Apparently, the decoration of blues singer Janis Joplin with a wristless and a small heart on her left breast by the San Francisco tattoo artist Lyle Tuttle, who I mentioned a minute ago, has been called a seminal moment in the popular acceptance of tattoos as an art form. Interest in the art of the tattoo became prominent in the 70s um, from this moment. And for many un-Americans, the tattoo has taken on a different meaning than for previous generations. It was seen very much in the 70s and 80s as a form of sort of deviance. It was quite an extreme measure. Whilst it was not so taboo as it had been before, it was still seen as something that would be a real form of dramatic expression, you know. But I think... At, since the 90s it's really had a change and it's become seen as just more of a fashion statement though in the 80s and the early 90s we did see tattoo wearers <laughs> become a real member of this counterculture and began to display their body art signs of resistance to certain values for example the clientele changed from sailors, bikers and gang members to the middle and upper classes again. There's also a shift in iconography from the badge-like images based on repetitive pre-made designs to fully customized body tattoos influenced by these Polynesian and Japanese 
artists, which we know as sleeves. And with this, men and women with art backgrounds began to enter the tattoo world alongside the older, more traditional tattooists. In the modern day, tattoos have also um, experienced a resurgence in popularity in many parts of the world, in Europe, Japan and North and South America. The growth in tattoo culture has seen an influx of new artists into the industry, as I'm sure you will know from Instagram and other online um, places like that, many of whom have technical and fine arts training, which is really interesting. Coupled with advancements in tattoo pigments and the ongoing refinement of the equipment used, it's really made the quality and the popularity of tattoos to grow and to make them basically more widespread, more mainstream and fashion statements basically now there are some areas of tattooing that differ from this in the past for example in the concentration camps um during the second world war um individuals were tattooed to identify them which is you know a a more bleak uh part of the history of tattooing but it's something i had to mention i also found out that in the 60s and 70s in the federal boarding school system tattooing was commonly practiced by um, native american children such tattoos often took the form of small markings or initials and were used as a form of resistance a way to reclaim one's body due to the forced assimilation practices of the western boarding schools many indigenous cultural practices were on a severe decline tattooing being one of them as a way to retain their cultural heritage some students practiced this ritual and tattooed themselves with found materials like sewing needles and India ink. I found all this in Wikipedia. Within the schools, the authorities physically labelled the students. A personal identification number was written in purple ink on their wrists and on the small cupboard in which their few belongings were stored. Oftentimes, the students had a tendency to tattoo their initials on this very spot, the exact place where the school authorities first marked them. This can be seen as a strong act of resistance where the students were physically rejecting their numerical ID and reclaiming their own body and identity. So not so super dissimilar to other practices in which tattooing was used we'll say for slightly more negative purposes i found that information um, in a book by martina m dorley called indian boarding school tattooing experiences basically if any of us have a tattoo we have ancient cultures around the world to thank and basically it was sort of a gradual form of appropriation that happened and changed over the course of hundreds of years until eventually tattoos have formed into this really multifaceted thing it seems it really depends upon location as to whether your tattoos hold cultural importance or is merely a piece of body art or even just a fashion statement it sits strangely with me the idea that colonizers and explorers were the ones to bring tattooing into more white western circles but equally there's evidence to suggest it was a big part of our life before this and equally it's a practice that had multiple forms around the world for hundreds of years and so the origin and this idea of appropriation is hard to categorize because it feels like it's just always been there and it's always been there for nearly everybody the origin of tattooing didn't seem to start anywhere in particular it just has always been a thing and it's just fascinating to me this idea in the west in say the 70s and 80s that it's seen as something subversive when it's probably one of the most ancient cultural spiritual worldly practices there is and it denotes you know our acceptance with the world our um, attachment to family and health and religion and i don't know why it was seen as something so subversive and taboo for such a long time and yeah it's just a really fascinating little piece of history and there was a lot a lot to go into within well trying to within less than half an hour or an hour at least you can see in this episode I'm looking at it now (laughs) I um went over the time that I usually do with these short 
history episodes, but there was just so much. There's so much history. There's so much culture and history to tattooing that it was really impossible to um, do such a short episode. But I hope you learned something and um, I hope I didn't make any mistakes. As always, please tell me if I did um, and I'll rectify them. Um, I was I knew nothing before I did this episode. I started this all from scratch. I did as much research as I could. Thank you, Google Books. <laughs> and basically, yeah, it's really, really just a fascinating little short history so as always i hope you enjoyed i'm sorry again for the very long break but you know it was not my fault (laughs) i will see you in the next one stay fab everyone